Please be seated. You ever feel like sometimes you need to get back to the basics? Has that ever happened to you? <clears throat> anybody, anybody in here know a second language or a language besides English? Most of us are still working on English, I, I understand. I, I love languages anyways. Uh, Spanish is, is particularly uh, one that I, I love. And, and, and I remember uh, I had a teacher. Now, he was, from, uh, he was from Madrid. No, I'm sorry. He was from Barcelona. And, and he spoke Castilian. Does anybody know the difference between Castilian Spanish and regular Spanish? Castilian Spanish, they, they kind of have a lisp. Instead of lección, you say lección. Instead of cerro, you say cerro. Um, and I tried not to make fun of him as he taught us. Um, but he, always, he began with the alphabet. He would make us say, he would say, A, B, C, C, D, E. And he'd go all the way through the alphabet, and he'd make us repeat. We, we learned repite uh, really, really early uh, in, in the Spanish class. And, and he would go all the way through, and then he would throw in the vowels. He would say, all right, so, so now we're going to say ba, be, bi, bo, bu. That was a, e, e, o, u, a, e, i, o, u. That I already lost a lot of you, didn't I? Um, so, so he would go all the way through, and, and we learned with the alphabet, and, and that's, that's really important um, that, that is not, though, how we learn to speak languages normally. Usually we say water, and the kid says, wah. <laughs> and we say, no, water, and they say water. Sometimes in our walk with Jesus, uh, sometimes I think we just need to go back to some of the basics and, and just kind of kind of go back to the ABCs. And so that's what this series is about that, that we're going through. It's called the ABCs at FBC Cloudcroft. And, and so what, what we've been doing is really kind of talking about who we are. Uh, that, that's what we call our vision. And, and sometimes who we are is, is more of who we want to be. Uh, our, our vision of who we are is that, that we are Christ followers. That's where we begin. That's why we are together as a body of Christ. So we're Christ followers I'm hesitant to say in, in our current culture, Christian, that has all these little different connotations. That's what they, the term that was used in, in the New Testament. But when we say, someone will say, I'm a Christian, and what they might mean is I'm not Muslim. Uh, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I'm not um, New Age or, or, you know, whatever it might be. But, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are a follower of Jesus. So, so when we describe ourselves, we, we start by saying that we are Christ followers, the, the second thing that, that we use to, to describe ourselves is that we're committed family, not just that we're family. Um, you, you all, how many of you are here with your family? Three, three of us. No, I'm kidding. So, so you might be here with your family. You don't get to pick your family so, unless you adopt. That, that's like way cool. We were actually in the process of adopting when we got pregnant with our second child. I hear that happens a lot. Um, if we'd known that earlier, there wouldn't be eight years between our kids. Um, we would have had a shorter, but we were we were in the process of adopting. That's that's way cool. I think adoption is a really neat thing because what it says is we picked you. But the rest of us didn't get the pick, did we? Uh, you ever want to trade your brother or your sister with somebody? Parents, you ever want to trade? No, we won't even go there. Committed family. We're not just family, but we're committed to one another, and that says a whole lot. That means we're committed to working things out. 
Sometimes things get weird in families, don't they? You ever get mad at someone in your family? You ever not talk to them for a while? It's really awkward when you live on the same street. (laughs) But we're committed to one another. We're committed to one another's success in growing in relationship with Jesus Christ. We're committed to helping one another. We're committed to working through whatever it is we have to work through with one another. We're committed family. And then the last thing is we're compassionate friends. And, and, and when we talk about compassionate friends, what we're talking about is our relationship with people outside of the household of God, outside of the body of Christ, outside of this group of believers who are followers of Jesus. And, and we talk about that primarily in context with our community. That we want to be known as compassionate friends. We don't want to, Christians get a bad rap a lot of times. I I, I love talking with people, kind of works out since I'm a pastor. But I I, I go over to the coffee shop. My idea, I loved it since I opened. I I don't earn any money from this. But if you haven't tried the coffee shop next door, they're amazing. And and my idea was, hey, look, I have a satellite office now. I I can go over there and work. And so I I would go over there and I'll open my my laptop up and, and get my, my caramel, we call it a caramel breviato. It's a caramel macchiato with half and half. Anyways, you don't care, do you? But it's good. And, and I found out I just sit around and talk all the time. So that, that's not my uh, satellite office anymore. That's my visitation center. Uh, I go there to visit. But we want our relationship with those outside of the church to be good. We want them to know that we care about them and that we love them when we show that through our actions. We're compassionate friends. Christians, a lot of times when you talk with people, they say, oh, you know, those Christians are hypocrites. And, and what they mean is that, that we say one thing, we do another. Uh, we want that to be the same. We want what we say to be what we do, and we want it to be not just true in our relationships with one another, but our relationship with those outside the household of faith. So that's our, our vision and today I want us to talk about our, our mission. I think a lot of times we kind of forget what it is we're doing. How many of you, it takes a long time, guys, this may be us, I, I don't know. Ladies can handle more than one thing at a time, but I can't. Um, and I think most guys are that way. How many of you guys, you, you, you get started on a project, and before long, you're doing something other than what you started doing? Has that ever happened? No, it's just me. Okay, I'll work on that. Uh, usually I spend half of my time trying to find the tool that I just had in my hand. Um, I've got, if you ever need a cock gun, I've got about 20 of those. I'm just too lazy to go to the shed and find them. Um, but, but we tend to do that as churches. We forget what it is we're here for. Now, now, we love one another. And Jesus said that's one of the marks of being my disciple is the way that you love one another. We talk about that with committed family. But it's more than just loving on one another that that's fellowship that we have in the body of christ we also want to reach out to those outside of of the church in fact if it were just about believers loving on one another i really think that when you come to faith in christ god would just snatch you away and take you to heaven wouldn't that have been cool can you imagine how many how many hardships we would have missed out on if god the moment you trusted in christ he said all right come on come home But he didn't, because the reason we are here, that's our mission. We aren't here only for one another. That's a a big part of it, but we get to do that in heaven. We get to love on one another in heaven. I I believe we even get to still learn in heaven because only God knows everything. And so I'll still get to learn when I get there, which is way cool, because 
man, do I have some questions, right? And, and, and if I care when I still get there, I, I, I don't know if Jesus, I don't know if I want to ask him all the questions I have, but Moses, come here, come here, come here. What about this? Paul, Paul, come here, come here, come here. You know, we've got eternity. Surely he'll have time for me eventually. What about this? We get to do that in heaven, but the only thing that we can't do in heaven that we must do here is reaching out to those who don't yet know Jesus. And so that's our mission. That's what we're going to talk about today. So if you'll look with me in, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives this to us. You probably heard this passage preached a lot of times. Uh, I, I might uh, tweak a couple of things for you. Um, because I think a lot of times we focus on the wrong area in this passage. Most of you can probably quote it. We're going to start Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that sounds like he's going to leave us at some point, but what he's saying is, look, I'm not leaving. I'm going to be here to the end of the end of the end, which there won't be, right? The end of this age, uh, life here on this planet, uh, may be what he's talking about, but we know he's not going to forsake us in heaven either. Our mission comes from this. Let me read our, our mission statement to you. Sounds like a business, doesn't it? We don't mean it that way. We just don't want to forget what it is we're here for. Our mission is this leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you were to ask me, what is the purpose of First Baptist Church Clockcroft? I would say to you, to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't just want to get people saved. You know, we call that evangelism. Sometimes I think we do a disservice when we separate evangelism from discipleship. But we want people to be in a growing, life-changing relationship with Jesus. And, and so that's what we say. Let, let's unpack that just a little bit. All this goes back to this passage that we just talked about. Our, our command that Jesus gives us here, you may have heard this preached a little different way. Um, our command is not to go. Our command in this passage, the way it reads, I told you I like languages, the way it reads grammatically in the Greek is our command is make disciples. That's the only imperative that's in here. Make disciples. I love it. In in the Greek, make disciples is one word. Jesus says, disciple. Right? And, and so you're saying, but you, you skipped one. What about the go? First, let me back up just a bit. I always include verse 18 because it's really important. This is like a whole message by itself. We won't have time to, to really dig into it, but let me just mention it. Jesus said, don't, don't miss this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who's in charge of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Who's in charge? Well, Jesus just said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And, and the reason he's saying that is to say, listen, that is the basis upon which I am going to give you this commission. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, right? 
The go is not the command. You may have heard it that way. We're commanded to go. You have to be commanded if you want to stay. No, no. The only imperative, the only command in here is make disciples. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, look, based on the authority that the Father has given me, I say to you, make disciples. Going, baptizing, teaching, those are all participles in this this phrase. That that means that that there are qualifiers, there are modifiers of the command. So make disciples as you go. So going, let's talk about what that means just just a, a minute. As you go, when Jesus is talking with the disciples, I, I think it carries with it a, a couple of different ideas. One of them is, don't just sit here and hang out with one another, guys. You, you have to move out from this place and get out into the place where those who don't know me live. The, the other part of this is going is in life. Where do you go to make disciples? Where do you work? Where do you shop? Who's your neighbor? I, I think that's a tale movie. <laughs> you see, going has with it this idea of in life. You make disciples in life. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip? Anybody? I love mission trips. I've been to, to Ethiopia. I've been to Panama. I've been to Nicaragua. I've been to Mexico. You're going, big deal. It's 90 miles away. Well, we went like seven hours into Mexico to Creel. And, and I, I love mission trips. But you know what? You don't have to go on a mission trip to make disciples. You don't have to go out of the state to make disciples. You don't have to go off of your street to make disciples disciples jesus is saying here it is going going you can't just stay here we can't just stay within the walls of the church we have to get outside of the walls of the church but but your command the reason that i'm leaving you here is so that you can make disciples and you do that in life i, I like to put it this way it's people you know that will be your neighbors your co-workers your family family's hardest isn't it because they knew us before we were Christians. But I don't know, family's just hard. So, so people that you know, places you go, any of you, any of you buy gas typically at the same place? The same three, it's the cheapest of the three. Um, but, but the places that you go, you go to the same supermarket, you might, might see, I know y'all are all like, you don't have that here, we do in Alamogordo. Um, any of you go to the same coffee shop or you, you, you go to the same Starbucks, the places that you go, we go to places frequently. And you know what? You, you have a relationship with those people. You just don't think about it. People, you know, places you go. And then the last one I call is seeds to grow. And that is where you purposefully, intentionally develop a relationship with someone so that you can begin to disciple them. You can begin to share the good news that Jesus calls us to share with them. We call it the gospel. People, you know, places you go, seeds you grow. But we do that in life. I know that's harder, isn't it? Um, I remember when we went to, to Panama, uh, we were knocking on doors, uh, door-to-door evangelism. That scares us, doesn't it? Well, it's way easier when you know you're never going to see them again. <laughs> um, I, I can speak Spanish. We had a translator, and after a while, I just finally, it takes a while to go through the translator, so I just started speaking Spanish with them, and, and she didn't catch that. So she would translate my Spanish into Spanish, and it made me feel bad. 
I knew I wasn't going to see them. Man, I can be really bold with someone I know I'm not going to see. But you know what? When I talk with my neighbor about Jesus, they hear all the wild parties we have next door. We call those um, Bible studies. <laughs> but my neighbor sees me. We live in a small place. They see me at the bank. They see me at the post office. They see me at Alsup's. Most of them see me a lot at the coffee shop. They see my life. And, and Jesus says, as, I want you to make disciples, but you do it in life. Discipleship isn't simply sharing the gospel with someone and getting them to, to make a profession of faith in Jesus. It's discipleship goes all the way through. The second part of that is baptizing. I know we're Baptist. Um, I, I have a lot of fun uh, because I have a lot of friends that aren't Baptist. Uh, some of them are pastors, but they go to other churches and, you know, the whole sprinkle immersion thing. Um, but baptizing isn't simply talking about the water thing. You know, we're going to have a, a baptism celebration service on January the 12th. It's not just talking about that. When Jesus is talking about baptizing, really it has with it this idea of bringing them into the household of God. In Sunday school this morning, we were talking about hospitality, that as believers, we're called to be hospitable. That's fun because you get to say spit when you say that. We, we, we're called to be hospitable. What does that mean? It means welcoming. And so when we're, as we're making disciples, we do it in life, but we actually bring them into our lives. As, as a church, what we want to do is, is bring them into the life of the church. It doesn't mean that you get them to join a Sunday school class or necessarily join a small group that we have or put them in a place of service. What it means is that you invite them in. How many of you remember the, the, the show, television show Cheers? You remember that? You know what made that so popular? Everybody wants to go somewhere where people know your name. What it means is I want to go somewhere where I'm invited in. I want to go somewhere where I'm welcomed. I want to go somewhere where I'm included. And, and so baptizing, what Jesus is saying is, look, it, it's not this really um, antiseptic is a word that comes to mind, but, it, but it's not this thing like we do, would do when we go on a mission trip in Panama. You share the gospel with them, and it's cut and dry, and you leave and go, this gets a little bit messy here because you're bringing them in. They get to see, and you know what? They might see you fail. They might see you fall. The Bible calls that sin. You know what you're supposed to do when you're discipling someone and you sin? This is really deep. Are, are you guys ready? You're supposed to confess that and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> I mean, really, that's just like part of, part of our life in Christ, isn't it? We think, man, but I don't want to confess to them that I've sinned. Why? Because then they're going to know you're not perfect? I, I'm betting they know. If you don't confess it, then you're acting like you are perfect and you're not. That's called hypocrisy. Why don't we just, don't you think it would strengthen your, your testimony? Don't you think it would strengthen your words that you speak with them if when they see you mess up, and they do, you, you model for them what it looks like? to confess your sin, to repent. That means you don't do it again, and that you ask for forgiveness. Man, I think that adds validity to the gospel because they, they watch it getting worked out in our life, and I think that's what Jesus is talking about. We bring them in, bring them into the fellowship. The, the last one is this, teaching. I love to teach. I, I love it. I love it. Um, since way back now i'm not saying i would teach in a school um uh, i i do love working uh, with our students um 
but I don't have that gift particularly. But I love to teach, and, and here's what we think about with teaching a lot of times. In fact, we, we miss another word that Jesus says in here. When, when we think about teaching, we, we think about, okay, so we need to have a discipleship class. So it's going to be room in room 204, and it's going to be at 6 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, so you come to this discipleship class, and I'm going to disciple you. That's not really what Jesus is talking about doing. How did Jesus teach? He had, he had the crowd with him. Can you imagine? Golly, this is like the best seminary ever. For three and a half years, the 12 lived with him 24-7, 365. I know Jewish calendar is a little different, but we'll pretend. They lived with him. That's why at one point, they're like, Jesus, you've got to teach us to pray like you pray. We've never heard him. And, and listen, of course, you'd have to be an early riser a lot of times to hear him because he would get up early before they did, and he would go out and pray alone to spend some time with the Father. But, but they saw him. They saw his life. And, and Jesus, when he tells us to teach, it's not a class that he's talking about. In fact, I, I love to, to say this, and, and I'll tell you, it, it's a trick question. Um, we, I'm going to leave something out of this sentence and see if you can figure out what it is. And Jesus says, teach them all that I say to do. What did I leave out? Yeah, see, it's easy to miss, isn't it? He says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. How do we do that? Well, teaching isn't telling. Parents, do you know that? If you haven't figured that out yet, whoa. The do as I do... I'm sorry, that's the way it does work. The do as I say and not as I do thing, that doesn't work. The kids are going to do as you do. You can say whatever you want. Now, don't do this. Now, don't do this. Now, don't do this. They're going to do what you do. You model for them in teaching. And actually, teaching is showing them. So here's what Jesus is saying in this teaching part of, of making disciples. Show them how to do the things that I've commanded you to do. Don't you wish... Don't you wish that you had someone that discipled you like that when you first came to faith in Christ? You got to hang out with them. You got to spend time with them. You see they'll mess up. They model for you what it looks like when we sin, that we confess that, hey, hey, look, this is what I did. That was wrong. It was sin. I admit that. I confess that, and, and I just ask that you forgive me for that. We get to watch that happen. A lot of times we read stuff in the Bible, you're like, okay, okay, well, love one another like I've loved you. How do you do that? Put, put, put other people before yourself. How do you how do, you do that? What, but but when, you, when you are with someone and, and they through life are modeling that for you, you say, oh, okay, well, there's a good example. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave him his life for her. How do you do that? Because, man, she was wrong. Should be careful, she's right in front of me. I made that up. It's usually, man, I was wrong. Yes, dear, I'm sorry, it was all my fault. That'll help your marriage a lot, guys, just saying. But when you have someone that models that for you, you say, oh, that's what that means. That's how you do that. 
So this whole idea of, of discipleship, let, let's not separate evangelism from discipleship. You know, we have our, our evangelism effort over here, and we, we pray that prayer. We get them to pray that prayer, and, oh, boy, they're saved, and there's a party in heaven. I believe there really is. But then we leave them. We haven't done what Jesus has told us to do. He said, make disciples. And, and man, just, just bringing them to, to faith in Christ is just a small part of it. And you know what? That might not happen until way into your relationship with them. Did you know you can disciple someone who's not a Christian yet? I, I think that's the way we're supposed to do it. You build a relationship with them. You invite them into your life. You invite them into the life of the church. You share the gospel with them, yes. And then you show them what that looks like. And you know what? When we do that, we're not being hypocritical. They know that we fail, and they see what we do when we fail. They, they watch us in relationship with one another. They watch how we're a compassionate friend to them and to other people. And, and they, see what, they see what being a Christian, what being a Jesus follower actually looks like when you do it. And you know what? It gets messy. Life is messy, isn't it? Ministry is messy. It's not convenient. It, it's messy when... Some of you are thinking, man, that's a hard way to disciple people. It, it takes a lot of a commitment to do that. When you, when you make disciples like that, you know, that, that, that's not sharing with someone who's not knocking on their door and talking with them for 30 minutes and then going away. Or it's not a class that's one, one hour a week that you meet with with them. Now, you may meet with them one, one day a week too, but, but it, it's a commitment. Jesus, God himself, chose 12 over the period of three and a half years to disciple. What makes us think that we can, at three and a half years, 24-7, 365, what makes us think that we can talk with someone once or twice and we're making disciples? So, so, so let, me, let me close with this. Let, let me give you a challenge. Some of you are going, man, it's like the last Sunday of the year this is a lot heavier than I thought it was going to be. I thought we were just going to come and sing. And, but, but I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, first of all, in your walk with Jesus. Because if anyone of us think we've gotten it down, we're, we're, we're fooling ourselves. So let me challenge you in your walk with Jesus as we head into not only a new year, but a new decade. For some of us who have a few decades behind us, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for, for some of them who haven't crossed a decade yet, this is their first time, they're thinking, whoa. As we enter a new decade, let me challenge you this. Challenge you to commit today as we head into this new decade. Jesus, would you, would you help me to make my walk real? with people would you help me to be real with people and and that i do what i say and when i don't i confess that and then i repent that that, that my life begins to match my words so that when i talk with someone uh, about being a jesus follower they look at us and they say you know what that's real it's not perfect <laughs> he's not perfect she's not perfect but but that's real and, and that's something I think I might want. And, and the, other, the other part of that is this. Jesus, would, would you just give me a heart for people who don't know you? 
People already know. Maybe there are places that you go. I wouldn't pick 12. We're not Jesus. But somebody, Jesus, would you just bring somebody to mind, one person to mind, that, that I can begin to disciple. They might not even be a believer. They might say they are, but I don't know. Or might, might even be someone that, that I have yet to meet. Maybe they're in one of the places that I go, where I get my gas or where I shop or where I hang out, get my coffee. People say, I wouldn't pay $5 for a cup of coffee, and I wouldn't either, but I'll pay that for a caramel macchiato. I'd pay 10 if it meant that I could develop a relationship with someone to be able to begin to disciple them. They might not even know it. Don't go up to someone who doesn't know Jesus and say, hey, would you, would you be my disciple? They're going to think you're in a cult or something. Just build a relationship with them and just do what Jesus said. God, would you just show me one person? Maybe I haven't even met them yet. But God, would you just help me by your Holy Spirit when I do? Just, just kind of shine the light of your Holy Spirit on them. Just give me a tug in my heart and just let me know, Larry, that's the one. This one here, this is the one that I want you to begin to disciple. And, and make a long-term commitment to doing that. Jesus, for three and a half years, discipled the twelve. Don't think that we're going to do it in a week or a month or six weeks or two months. Make a long Our mission is to make disciples. The way, that, the way we phrase it is this, because I, I think this covers everybody on the spectrum. Someone who doesn't know Jesus yet, someone who's been walking with him for 30-plus years. Our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've been a believer for 50 years, you know what I want for you? I want you to be in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you don't even know the Lord yet, you know what I want for you? I want you to be in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you met the Lord yesterday, and this is your first time coming to church, you know what I want for you? I want you to be in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So our mission is simple. I almost want to say your mission, should you choose to accept it. But if you're a believer, you don't have any choice. You, you need to. Your mission is this, to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And, and hey, our, our hashtag throughout this whole series is this, hashtag Jesus changes everything. What? Would you just say, Jesus, would you just keep changing everything in me? I, I want my life to change because of my relationship with you. I met the Lord in 1982. Some of you are going, my parents weren't even born yet. I was only three months old. I'm kidding. I wasn't. I wish. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. But he continues to work on me every day. I'm not the same as I was in 1982. Thank God. I'm not the same as I was in 1992, about to be a new father. I'm not the same as I was in 2002. I'm not the same as I was last week. Because <laughs> that's, that's a relationship with Jesus. My prayer is, that God changed me in such a way that the people around me notice. Even the person I get my coffee from, the person I get my gas from, or I go buy my milk and bread 
when I could remember to do that on the way home. Jesus changes everything. Would you let him do that? Let's pray. God, you're amazing. First of all, that you choose to love us blows me away. God, I, I know, I know what I was like without you. And you loved me before I gave you even a second thought. And, and you came after me. God, I'm, I'm grateful. Lord, I'm, I'm not my own anymore. You bought me with a price. Through the blood of Jesus, your son, you've redeemed me. And, and you continue to do that. You redeem every area of my life. And, and God, for those of us who have already trusted in Christ, who have a relationship with you through him, Lord, would you just help us to, to maybe sometimes just remind us who we were without you? Because there are so many people in this world who are without you, who have no purpose, no meaning. They're empty. They're looking for something. They call it happiness, but they're looking for something that'll complete them, that'll fill them. And God, we have the answer. That's why you left us here, so that we could reach out to them. We could lead them to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. God, would you, would you change our lives in such a way that it matches what we say? And then, God, would you put one person on our hearts that we could begin to build a relationship with so that we can live out for them, not just in our, our, our deeds, but also our words, that, that, God, we can begin to teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. God, if we did that, I, I, know, <laughs> I know we would be different. I know our church would be different. And, and God, I, I, I think even the community would change. Would you just do that through us? Do what we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.